Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Good morning and uh, welcome to Connection Church. I am very glad that someone grabbed that Starbucks coffee off of, I can't be seen drinking Starbucks. I have to, I have a reputation to maintain. So thank you for that. Um, I will go with the uh, Dunkin' Donuts that one uh, Jim Wade made twice because he cares about quality. He made the first batch and he said, you know what? That's not good enough. So he poured it out Made another, there's a, there's a sermon illustration in there. I haven't thought of it yet, but I appreciate you, Jim. This is very good coffee. Uh, well, I'm so excited that you guys have uh, decided to come to church this morning and to worship with us. Um, last week, we got to talk a little bit about um, how Jesus is not interested in uh, the packaging that we put things in. He's interested in our hearts. He's interested in us always constantly being ready and authentic with our worship of him. We had a really great time, and this week um, we're going to talk about something that I think is a little bit difficult to fully explain, and so we will have to dive in a little bit into some detail, and ex- there will be an, explana- uh, an explanation as to what we're covering. We'll be in Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56, and I was talking to Haley about what the title should be. If you were here last week or if you watched online from last week, I always forget to title my sermons when I preach. I type it all out, and I'm like, that's awesome. And I'll send kind of Daniel the notes and the slides, and he's like, what's the title? I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot once again. So this time I was not going to forget the title. It was one of the first things I decided. And I looked at Haley, and I said, what about Jesus is divisive? And she said, I don't don't know about that. I said, okay, well, what about Jesus divides? She said, that's a little better. So that's what we landed on. Jesus divides. And Jesus is divisive or Jesus divides. The word division has such a negative connotation, both in our culture and in Scripture. We see often in Scripture, Jesus talk about and his followers talk about the issue of division, specifically in the church. And we also see Jesus as a symbol many times as this symbol of unity. Like his sacrifice allows us to come from all different backgrounds and be one under God. And so I just want to let you know before we start this, I didn't say that Jesus was divisive. Jesus said that he was divisive. I'm just repeating what Jesus said, okay? So let me get to the end before we make any big decisions. If we look in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 49, we'll read through 56, and then we'll pray together, and then we'll kind of break it down what Jesus might be saying here. So starting in verse 49, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to, be, to bring peace on earth? Excuse me, my iPad is trying to update as we speak. All right. 
Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how challenging it can be. God, thank you that even after years and years and years of following you, we can come to your word and it can strike us. It can transform us. And God, we can come to your word and trust that this is what you have said and this is the lesson that you have for us. So God, I pray that you would speak that truth and speak that lesson today. And God, that we would be molded by it, better able to follow you and serve you and build your kingdom. And we pray these things in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. So we often think of Jesus as this connector. We think of Jesus as our savior, as we should. And uh, though his sacrifice gives us the ability to be unified in the family of God, um, it seems rather counterintuitive in scripture that Jesus would say that he's actually divisive. He actually came to bring division. But this is exactly what we see in the scripture that we're about to dive into. So in in Luke chapter 12, we look in verses 49 through 50, our first point today, as we kind of break down what he means by he came to bring division, our first point is that Jesus came to sacrifice. Jesus came to sacrifice. And so we're going to look at three different things that Jesus came to earth to do very specifically. And the first one is that he came to sacrifice. If we start in verse 49 again, we say, it says, I have come to bring fire on earth and how I wish it were kindled. And in verse 50, he says, but I have a baptism to undergo and what constraint I am under until it is completed. So he says, I have come to burn this thing down. There's a structure here on earth. There's a structure that's been in place. And the entire reason that I've come to earth is to completely tear it apart. And how I wish... It was already done. Why might he wish that? Because there was a very specific type of baptism that he was referring to. Now, while we can look back and see the entire story of Jesus unfold, we can see when he came to earth, we can see how he spoke to his disciples, how he foretold how his life would play out. We can see how it fits in God's will. And we have uh, the ability to look back and see that God, in the form of Jesus, came to earth, died on the cross, and defeated death, rose from the grave on our behalf. We can see all those things. And while that's something that we readily recognize, in the time of the disciples, in the time of Jesus speaking this, they were still living it out. It hadn't already happened. It was just something that was foretold. And even in the foretelling of this King Jesus that would come, there were a lot of misconceptions and wrong ideas about what kind of King Jesus would be. Many of the ideas that they developed, even his closest followers, the ideas that they developed, were not actually accurate as to what Jesus 
was here to do. Jesus plainly tells us that he must undergo a different type of baptism. So let's think about when we undergo baptism, what we're doing is a symbolic gesture of belief in Jesus and a commitment to follow him. When we get baptized, it's symbolic of something that means something else. It's symbolic of something that was given meaning and who gave baptism meaning? Jesus. So he was actually preparing to sacrifice himself to create the meaning and value behind our baptism. In fact, it's his sacrificial baptism that was the payment from which every other baptism would draw. Imagine being so valued that you were given an unlimited line of credit from the bank. You as a person are so valuable, the bank is like, you know what? We don't, we don't even actually have to cap what, what your credit limit is. Just go nuts. And you know that regardless of the size of your purchase, that credit line has you covered. Well, what Jesus is alluding to in, in this scripture in 49 and 50, what he's talking about is unlike our baptism, he won't be drawing from that line of credit. He will be supplying it. Unlike us, when we're baptized, we're drawing from this well of value that was actually created by Jesus. And in this moment, it hadn't been created yet. And Jesus is saying, this is something I'm about to have to undergo so that you will have value in your own baptism. This thing that you guys are doing, it actually doesn't even mean anything until I go and I sacrifice myself. And so the first thing Jesus came to do was to sacrifice. Our second point is the one that is a little more convoluted that we'll dive a little more deeply into. Hopefully I can explain it in a way that is uh, easy to grasp because I'm not going to lie, when I first read this, I was like, wow, wait a minute, I have to read that again and again and again. How do I even explain what this is saying when I don't even know if I fully comprehend exactly what Jesus is saying? Um, but through prayer, I feel like I got a pretty good grasp on it, and I would love to share that with you guys. So the second point is Jesus came to divide. Jesus came to divide, which is so counterintuitive, right? Because Jesus also came to connect. Jesus also came to create a path so that we, from every different background, can come together under, under one name, the name of Jesus, and be saved and be in, in the kingdom of heaven forever. We know Jesus came to do that. But out of his own mouth, Jesus spoke words that said he also came to bring division. So to fully understand what Jesus means here, we have to fully grasp the context and the intention behind the message. Jesus does not intend to communicate that no peace is available to us. That would contradict so much of Scripture. He also does not intend to communicate that he doesn't desire for us to find peace in a relationship with him. Also, that would contradict Scripture. So many times Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will bear your weight. I will put your yoke upon myself, and I will carry you. So he's not saying that those things are not intended by his coming to earth. What he's saying is there's more to it. And he's actually speaking more to the heart of where we find peace and what his ultimate purpose is. So let's look at Luke chapter 12, verses 51 through 53. 
Jesus, and, and as you read these words, I encourage you, if you want to read this section on your own, if you want to read all of Luke chapter 12, you can see Jesus, as he's explaining these things, is getting kind of increasingly annoyed and increasingly frustrated. And in 51, he says, Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. It's like, have you not been paying attention? You think that I'm here for peace, but actually I'm here for division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. And then in verse 53, it goes down to break down these familial ties to one another that will be broken and divided because of Jesus' purpose on earth. Often, as followers of Jesus, we kind of desire to use our relationship with Jesus as like a patch, as like this topical application that we can put onto our lives that give us peace. We actually rely more deeply on relationships, success, wisdom, entertainment, other things of the world to give us peace. And when those things fail us, we want to just be able to slap Jesus on them and say, oh, he can make up the rest of the percentage. Maybe entertainment can only give me 80% of peace, but if I put Jesus on top of entertainment, he can make up the other 20% and then I'll be fully at peace. The problem with that is, and I know John and Haley will love this, because I came up with a mathematical equation to help explain this. In the world, we find sin and death. That's what the world has to offer us. Sin and death. So my equation is sin plus death equals brokenness. I have a second equation. Yeah, this is math. I don't know how mathematically sound it is, but... I have a second equation that says sin plus death plus peace also equals brokenness. You can't just throw some peace into sin and death and get rid of sin and death. Sin and death, it's still there. So in order for us to be completely at peace, we have to actually turn away from the world, sin and death, and pursue Jesus. Jesus is the thing that is able to divide, to separate us from sin and death so that we can be fully at peace in a relationship with Jesus. In other words, Jesus did not come to give us peace with the world while we engage in the world and rely on the world. Jesus came to blatantly challenge the world, defeat the world, and offer peace through freedom from the world that only the clean break of division can provide. Jesus is not a convenient filter we can put over our lives as we continue to kick it with friends and family who do not love Jesus or to engage in worldly vices. He is not interested in making us feel better about choosing the world over him. He is interested in being the relationship we are so passionate about that it causes us to turn so violently from the world that it causes division. Jesus is not here to put a snap filter over life to make it look good and pretend like, hey, everything's cool, everything's cool. I'm a huge How I Met Your Mother fan. I don't know if anybody else has watched How I Met Your Mother, but there's a scene in How I Met Your Mother where they're recalling these bad choices that they made, and in the scene they're saying, oh, you know what? It'll probably be all right. And then it snaps kind of a little bit of time forward and it says, and it wasn't. <laughs> and then somebody says, oh, you know what? I think it'll be all right. And it a little bit more and they're like and it wasn't 
And so Jesus is not here to tell us, you know what? I think it'll be all right. He's here to show us that it isn't. He's here to create a division so that we can step out of sin and death and out of brokenness and into a relationship with him where he provides peace. So what then is Jesus' ultimate purpose? If his ultimate purpose is not to provide us with peace in our earthly dealings, then what does Jesus desire to provide? That brings us to our third point, which is Jesus came to rescue. Jesus came to rescue. If we look at Luke chapter 12, verses 54 through 56, he said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? And so Jesus here, in this context, he's speaking to this multitude that is gathered. But within the multitude are his disciples. And this whole message, while it is for the crowd, the frustration is coming behind the fact that he's still having to explain this to his very, very close followers. If someone was just rolling up for the first time, of course he wants to hold them accountable. And of course he's probably frustrated that, that they can you know, predict weather patterns, but they're, they're not able to see what's plainly in front of them. But specifically for his disciples, to the point where he yells, hypocrites! So Jesus desperately desires for the crowds to understand the simple spiritual truth about his purpose and the way that they can understand physical truths in a complex world. He's saying you spent enough time paying attention to the fact that when a cloud rises up from this direction that it's probably going to rain, and when you feel wind coming in from this direction that it's probably going to be hot. And you've done that well enough that you're right. He's like, I give you credit for that. You know. But how can you not know the truth of why I am here? You still think that I came to bring you peace on earth. But I came to bring division. I came to pull you out of sin and death so that you don't have to experience brokenness anymore. You can experience peace when you give 100% of yourself to a relationship with me. When you look toward me for your fulfillment, when you look toward me for peace, when you look toward me for love, when you look toward me uh, as, a, as a platform for your life, this is what I've come to do because outside of me, you will never escape sin and death and brokenness, ever. Without a rescuer, you will never be rescued. And he says, even though I'm here, and even though I've preached to you, and even though I've told you this is what I'm here to do, you're still confused. And we might think that Jesus is frustrated because he's having to repeat himself. Maybe that's part of it. But I think Jesus is frustrated because he loves us so, so, so much. Enough that he was willing to sacrifice himself on our behalf. And he knows, he knows that they are missing this clear truth that he's wishing to communicate. And that truth is this. 
If we do not allow our relationship with Jesus to transform us from the innermost being of ourselves so much that we seek division from the world, then his sacrifice means nothing for our life. Jesus is preparing and telling them, I'm ready to go do this baptism that you have no idea what this is going to be like. I have to have myself killed. I'm going to be brutally beaten. I'm going to be buried. And then I have to come back to life and defeat death on your behalf. And all of this means nothing because you still think I'm here to just give you a little peace patch for whatever you're going through in your physical life. But what I'm here is to actually pull you out of death and brokenness. I'm here to give you life. And if you don't get this, even though you know it's going to rain next week because there's a cloud over there, you know it's going to be hot tomorrow because the wind is coming in from the south. If you don't get this, none of that will matter. In fact, what I'm about to go do, the pain that I'm going to put myself through, will not matter unless you understand this truth. Jesus' sacrifice has the potential to rescue us. But that potential is only accessed if we turn from the world completely and turn to Jesus. And the only reason we can, come, we can come and turn from the world and come to Jesus is because he has provided that path of division, that separation. He came to earth to divide us from sin and death. So Jesus came to sacrifice, he came to divide, and he came to rescue. In fact, he came to sacrifice so that we might be divided from death and rescued into eternal life. So my challenge for us today is let's not become complacent with relying on things of this world to give us peace. Let's not become complacent with relying on things of this world to fulfill us. Let's not rely on ourselves. Let's not rely on our circumstances. Let's rely on Jesus. Let's take advantage of this path of division that he's created from sin and death so that we don't experience brokenness in the same way without him. We know that we're not going to be completely free from brokenness until we're in heaven. But a relationship with Jesus allows us this division and this escape to him that protects us from worldly brokenness in a way that we otherwise would not be protected. It rescues us in a way that we otherwise would not be rescued. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that when your son Jesus came to earth, Lord, not only did he come to unite people together, to be his people, to build your kingdom, but God, he came to drive out sin and death, and he came to cause a division between sin and death and us. God, I pray that we would recognize that he did all of that and yet we still have a role to play. We still have a choice to make. God, we have to turn to your son. And if we continue to rely on things of this world, then we're only lessening his sacrifice. We're only lessening what you want to do in our lives. We're causing ourselves strife. We're causing ourselves frustration. Lord, I, I pray that we would let go of all those things. We would bring them to your feet and we would follow your son and we would look to a relationship with your son to fulfill us 
to encourage us to find love, to find peace. God, that we would be transformed so strongly that there would be a natural division even within family structures, God. Not a division that causes negative relationships, but God, a division that calls people to a life lived for you. God, I pray that we would be so in love with your son and that he would transform us so much. Lord, that we would not even fit in this world. God, people would look at us and immediately know they don't belong here. What is it that's different about them? And God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to tell people about your son, Jesus, and his sacrifice. God, the division from sin and death that he provided and the way that he has rescued us. I should pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.